I've heard it said you steer where you stare. We are bombarded daily with voices vying for our attention. And if we fill our days and minds with Netflix and social media feeds, we can get off track pretty quick. That's why I developed a 30-day music challenge. Listen to Christian music exclusively for 30 days. The challenge is free, and I'll be right there with you every step of the way. Head over to michellenizette.com forward slash 30-day challenge to sign up. Change your music, change your life. You're listening to More Than a Song, episode 226. Hello, and welcome to this episode of More Than a Song. My name is Michelle Nizat, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you discover the truth of Scripture, hidden in today's popular Christian music. My goal is to teach you to connect portions of God's Word with the songs you're singing along with on the radio, to help you meditate on truths, that will transform your way of thinking and ultimately your life. The new fun song, Grace Got You by Mercy Me, describes a person who's been taken over by grace and thus acts differently even in the midst of difficult circumstances. And isn't that what grace does for us? It changes us and then gives us a different perspective. In fact, the lyrics say, so when you're standing in the rain again, you might as well be dancing. Why? Because there ain't no storm that can change how this ends. I love that perspective, don't you? The Bible has a lot to say about grace. In fact, Titus 2 talks about grace and describes the result of grace in our lives. But before we jump into scripture, let's listen to the chorus. It's only just a matter of time. Each week, I use the songs we're listening to on the radio to inspire us to jump into God's Word. Sometimes it's because of a word or the lyrics or just reminds me of a concept I find in Scripture. And this week, I honed in on the word grace. And as I mentioned, Titus 2 mentions grace in a descriptive way. And so I headed over there. It really is that simple, by the way. (laughs) Don't overthink it. Get inspired, pick up the word, and start reading. And then dive a little deeper through study. Your inspiration could come from a song like this week, uh, from your favorite devotion, maybe the sermon that you listen to on Sunday. Grab the scripture reference from the devotion or the sermon and read that verse in context, the entire chapter that that verse is in, and then go from there, or maybe even the whole book. Now, I put a question out on my Facebook page recently asking, let's read the Bible. Your first thought is dot, dot, dot. And I got some great responses. And one of the most common responses is, where do we start? And isn't that just the rub? The starting? It's not in the knowing as much. It's really in the doing first. So this week, let's read Titus. To begin preparing for my week, I use the Bible interaction tool exercise. By the way, I call these exercises bites. I started out by listening to an audio version of the text. My favorite Bible app is YouVersion. The app itself is just a brown book icon, and it's got the Bible written on it. And uh, you, it's free, and most translations in the audio it offer an audio version in that app. And you just select the book and the chapter. And then there's like an audio icon in there and it will read it to you. 
And it's so funny if you um, use one of the bites I'm going to mention later, which is read in a variety of translations, you'll actually even get a variety of accents <laughs> by uh, of the people reading the, the Bible to you. I also use the bite of repetition because I listened to it several times. Titus is only three chapters for a whopping total of six minutes and 20 seconds if you listen to the entire book of Titus on the audio version. This, of course, makes using the bite of repetition even easier. I actually listened to it three times back to back one morning just getting ready for work. And so you might ask, why would I need to listen to it multiple times? Well, I can think of several reasons, at least for myself. The first is just to let it sink in. And the second is that for me, sometimes my mind wanders. Perhaps you are much less distractible than I am, but nevertheless, when I listen to it several times, I have a better chance of hearing each word at least once without my mind wandering. And then the third reason is that either new things jump out at me each time I listen, or more likely, I find myself drawn into one area, and then you can grab that area to go on to deeper study. And as I mentioned, another bite that I tucked in was to read or to listen in a variety of translations. You see, I can't read in Greek and the original language of this text, so I depend on translators to bring it into English for me. Now, the tricky job for the translators, and every Bible translation has a team of translators working together to handle the Word of God carefully— But the tricky job for them is that they don't live in AD 62. So even though they may be able to translate Greek into English, the Greek language, first of all, is so nuanced uh, that one word could mean several things. But it's also dependent upon the culture and the time that it was written to get it exactly right. This is probably too simplified of an example, but my teenage daughter uses the word lit in a completely different way than I use the word lit as a child. Did you know that if something is lit, it means it's good? (laughs) Let's just say that's not what it meant when I was a teenager. All right. So even in English in the 1980s and 90s, the word lit has a different connotation, or at least in slang it does, than in 2018. And it still is the past tense of making something burn. So like the, 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 There's still that other definition within the context of I lit a match, for example. So the translators do their best. And by reading in different translations, you're basically getting a variety of highly educated opinions as to the original intent of the author. That's why they may use different words to say the same thing and why if you're used to one version, it's good to mix it up. All right, now whenever I plan to study in or study a letter in the New Testament, I like to read the envelope. That's another bite, another Bible interaction tool exercise. And what do I mean by that? Well, when you get a letter in the mail, you will often see who it's addressed to before tearing right into it. And you will probably glance at the return address to see who sent it. And you may even glance at the timestamp to see when it was sent, especially if it's an old letter that you've run across. Finally, you may examine the stamp itself to give you a sense of the age and culture of and location of where it's coming from. Well, when you read the envelope of a letter in the New Testament, you'll do the same thing. I uh, also used another bite, another Bible interaction tool exercise of consulting an outside resource in this step because I have a fabulous book by Gordon Fee and Douglas Stewart called How to Read the Bible Book by Book 
that I consult for this. In fact, I put a link in the show notes to that book for you. It is a, it's a great resource for you to have on your bookshelf um, for your Bible studies. And you can find that at michellekneesat.com forward slash 226 for the show notes. Now, for the basics, you can merely consult the scripture. You don't have to have these outside resources. You may not be able to answer a couple of the questions without them, but at least this first one you can answer just by using the scripture. When looking at Titus, who is it from? Well, it's right there in verse 1. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to further the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness. That's who wrote it, Paul. And who is it to? Well, verse 4 says it all, to Titus, my true son in our common faith. Now, when was it postmarked? Remember I said you could answer a few of the questions just from Scripture itself. Um And if you wanted to do the research that the people who've done the research have done to give us this date, you could probably track it down. But that's where I consulted my book. You may also find the information um, that I'm going to give you just now in the introduction of your study Bible. So if you have a study Bible, generally this date of when it was written is included in there. Um, and if you don't have a study Bible, there are online introductions. I like the ones at blueletterbible.com. And uh, it seems as if this letter was written in A.D. 62 or 63, around the same time as the letter that was written to Timothy, 1 Timothy. Now, verse 5 indicates that Paul left Titus in Crete. So my next question is, well, when did Paul go to Crete? And there is mention in Acts chapter 27 and 28 that Paul had at least docked in Crete. But it doesn't really specifically mention that he was that he dropped Titus off there, that they even got off the boat. We just don't know. So maybe my answer or my question goes unanswered today for that. Now, why did Paul leave Titus in Crete? Well, verse 5 tells it all. The reason I left you in Crete was that you might put in order what was left unfinished and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. So it seems as though... Titus was a church planner, or at least the leader to take over the reins after the initial launch of the plant. Okay, so while Crete is a relatively small island, I do find it interesting that Paul directed Titus to appoint elders in every town. So it seems as though every community needed an overseer. Now, our song indicates that there should be an outward expression ever since grace got you. And Titus agrees, or the letter to Titus, Paul agrees uh, in his letter to Titus. And as you read, notice that there is a theme of doing good woven through all three chapters. And in my book, Gordon uh, Fee and Stuart write, For Paul, there is no tension between grace and doing what is good, meaning they're not at odds with um, out with one another. What is at odds with grace is the religious use of the law as a way, a way of maintaining God's favor. And isn't that interesting? Because I think that we in the modern church have um, opportunity to struggle with that same problem, you know, trying to um, utilize the religious use of the law or religious uh, use of of the do's and don'ts and using God's word as a way of maintaining God's favor when that's not, I mean, our good works do not maintain God's favor, okay? But there's no tension between grace and doing what is good. Let's just keep talking about that, but put that in the back of your mind as we continue to discuss. 
So if we use the bite uh, the Bible interaction tool exercise of reviewing the section headings, we can get our bearings as we study our focus scriptures. I'm not going to have time to read all three chapters of Titus to you. So if you read the section headings, and even if it's a letter, let, let's say you've been listening to Titus all week, like I did, and then you sit down to study it, because this week I had a little more time to study and use these outside resources and these commentaries and things like that that I'm going to refer to then you can also use those section headings just to kind of get your bearings. Okay, I remember listening to this, uh, all three chapters, and now I'm going to study this one section. How do I get there? Well, here's the section headings. Appointing elders who love what is good, rebuking those who fail to do good, doing good for the sake of the gospel, saved in order to do good, and final remarks. <laughs> okay, so did you get it? Paul really wanted to emphasize doing good. At odds for this desire were some rebellious-minded people who were getting the baby churches of Crete off track. In fact, Paul describes them this way in verse 16. They claim to know God, but by their actions, they deny him. They are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for doing anything good. Oh, that's pretty harsh. So then Paul gave instructions for a variety of groups of folks to counteract the teaching and the ways of these rebellious minded people. These various groups are supposed to live in the very specific ways because of grace. So let's read in verse 11 of chapter two. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. These then are the things you should teach, encourage and rebuke with all authority. Do not let anyone despise you. Now, so this is where this, these are the few verses that I'm going to hone in on in my study this week. And I hope you do the same and give yourself some time to ponder and think about it. But when speaking of grace, I did utilize another bite of using a commentary. Um, I love the McLaren's Expositions commentary. I got, I accessed it for free on BibleHub.com. And I'm going to link to that in the show notes as well. But he has this whole section on grace because I really, I I wanted to get some more information and and some more words about this grace. And I, I just love what he said. Now that word grace played a much larger part in the thoughts of our fathers than it does in ours. Okay, so he's saying in the old older times, they got it a little bit better than we do. And I'm not sure that many things are more needed by the ordinary Christian of this generation than that he should rediscover the amplitude and the majesty of that old-fashioned and unfashionable word. I, I, I love his point. So what does grace mean, he asks? It means a self originated love. Grace is love that has no motive but itself. And that is just a very heady thought thing. I, I, I've been reading it several times. I love what he says, but I'm not sure I, I get it. You know what I mean? 100%. I get on the surface what he's saying. But it's one of those things that it, it'd be worth some time to ponder. Grace is a self-motivated love, he goes on to say, that is in full energetic exercise. Grace is a self-motived, ever-acting love that delights to impart. 
Grace is a self-motived, ever-acting, communicating love, which bends in tenderness over and floods with gifts those that stand far beneath itself. Oh, we have nothing to do with this grace, and it's so beautiful and so unending. He goes on to say, Grace is a self-motived, ever-acting, communicated, and stooping love, which brings in its hands the gift of forgiveness and deals with those on whom it lavishes this tenderness, not according to their merits, but according to the pulsations of its own heart. How beautiful is that? Not on unmerited favor, you might have heard before. And I love how he words that. So what does this grace of God do? Well, it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. It's right there in that verse. And it teaches us to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. And all of it is in light of the perspective of our coming Savior, because we read, while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Which answers the question where this grace of God originated. It originates in our Savior with God through our Savior. But it leads to the final question, why this grace of God was extended. So we've we've answered the question, what does this grace of God do? We've answered the question where this grace of God originated. And now we're answering the question, why? Why this grace of God was extended? Why did Jesus give himself for us? Well, all we have to do is look back at that scripture again and, and make a list. Jesus gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness. Buy us back from the wickedness. Jesus gave himself for us to purify us. Jesus gave himself for us to set us apart as a people that are his very own. And Jesus gave himself for us that we would be eager to do what is good. And we can do and be all of that because of grace. Not because we try harder, not because of anything that we've done, but because of this grace of God that teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and teaches us to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Fee and Stewart conclude, The significance of this letter for the biblical story is Paul's insistence that grace and doing good belong together as long as the latter is not confused with religious observances. So we don't do good to earn grace. We do good because of how grace changes us. So what's next? We'll read Titus. Read it several times in a variety of translations. Ponder this grace that has been freely bestowed upon us and the changing power it it holds over us. Consider your life. Have you been able to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions? Are you living a self-controlled, upright, and godly life in this present age? Well, That is the kind of life our Savior, Jesus Christ, came to offer and empowers us to live. So while you're in God's Word this week, let me know how you're doing. Email me, michelle at michellekneezat.com. Hop on Twitter at michellekneezat or Facebook, Michelle L. Nizat, and let's talk about what you're learning. Now, before I tell you what song will be featured next week, I want to thank the premier Christian music streaming service, TheOverflow.com, for pointing their subscribers to this podcast. But more importantly, pointing them to God's Word, music. When you subscribe to their trial, you will receive a 10-day series of devotions I wrote based on some of my most popular podcast episodes. So I encourage you to check them out at theoverflow.com. 
And I want to thank my newest subscribers to my website, like Kim from the Philippines, Holly from Alabama, and Rosary from the Philippines. Welcome. Now, new subscribers to my my website will benefit from a one-page resource of my top five bites, my Bible interaction tool exercises that I've used on the podcast. It's a great place to start. And subscribers will also benefit from an email that I send once a week. In that email, you get a weekly memory verse resource to display on your smartphone, tablet, desktop, or you can print it out. You get an email recap of the week's episode, and you get instant access to any of the extra resources that I create for my episodes from time to time. It's just my way of saying thank you for listening. So head over to michellekneesat.com to subscribe today. There are so many ways to listen to the podcast. We are now featured on Joy 103.1 every Saturday at 10 a.m. Eastern and always on Spotify or through Stitcher Radio. And as always, you can subscribe in iTunes. And while you're there, please leave me a written review and a star rating. This not only encourages me, but helps me stay visible to new listeners. As always, if you take the time to review my podcast, I will take the time to personally thank you right here on the podcast. Just like KSuite 71, who wrote that the podcast podcast is inspiring, uplifting, and enlightening. Adding, I'm always looking for ways to help me grow spiritually. I stumbled upon this podcast purely by accident. I watched the movie I'm Not Ashamed about Rachel Joy Scott and had Googled the song in iTunes, which brought me to this podcast. I love Christian music, and this podcast truly takes it to the next level. Thanks, Michelle, for taking the time to do these. I look forward to them. Wow, K-Sweet 71, I really appreciate this wonderful review, and thank you for taking the time to post it. Well, that's it for this episode of More Than a Song. Next week, I will be using Dream Small by Josh Wilson to jump into scripture. And if you liked this episode, would you mind sharing it with others? I've made it really easy. With just one click, you can share via Facebook, Twitter, or email. Just head over to michellekneesat.com forward slash 226. While you're there, I'd love to hear from you. Click on comment to join the conversation. Until next time, take time to meditate on God's word and consider his ways. 